If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome in to Beers and Buckets. My name is Connor. We're so glad that you decided to listen to this today. Thank you for taking the chance on us. We hope we don't disappoint. Uh, so I'm excited to get this thing started. If you've never listened before, Beers and Buckets is a podcast. It's a college basketball podcast that reviews beer and a beer podcast that talks college basketball. We know exactly what we're about and we're here to have fun. Don't take our takes too serious seriously because you know, they're probably really bad and outdated by, you know, Tuesday. So we are joined by none other than Kyle, usually, right? UK fan Kyle. That's me, at UK fan Kyle on Twitter. Yep. And we are also joined last minute, like literally like two minutes ago, he joined in. Um, we are missing Dal. Normally Dal is on the podcast and we're missing Matt. And both of those guys are um, inoccupados. So we decided to reach out and we got my boy Bradley Smith from Memphis 270 Bradley, right? Yes. Yeah. And yes. This, uh, I promise you, this guy knows his buckets and he's here strictly for the buckets. He's not a beer drinker, he says, but he is here strictly for the buckets. So, Bradley, tell us about you, what you're about, man. Oh, yeah, man. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, I'm I'm strictly buckets. I don't drink at all, so I'm uh, I'm here strictly for buckets. But I've we got been, a, we uh, got a DD here tonight. <laughs> that's Honor. right. But I've uh, I've been a Kentucky fan all my life. So starting out, you know, most of my knowledge was Kentucky related. Then you know, got into high school and past that, and started getting a little more just basketball, college basketball in general. So uh, you know, just any opportunity I have to be able to talk basketball. That's great. I've got my own podcast. If y'all don't care if I plug if I plug that, or even if you do, I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. Yeah, you guys are definitely going to do it. I was going to do it for you. So you go right. ahead and do it. All right, it's uh, Bradley's Basketball Banner. I'm I'm the real Triple B. I might need to take that up a Levar Ball, but uh, Bradley's <laughs> Basketball Banner. I'm on uh, Apple Podcasts. I'm on Spotify, and uh, trying to get onto iHeart. Haven't got verification for it yet but uh, working on that. So if you enjoy my mediocre takes, uh, check out Bradley's basketball banner. Well, awesome, man. Well, this is our midweek flight. If you haven't listened before, this is the, uh, the extra content. This is the stuff that didn't just, that just didn't make the uh, main episode. So we're going to talk real quickly, keep this thing short for y'all as you probably commuting to work or it's, I mean, it's Wednesday. So maybe, uh, maybe you're just, you know, heading home or heading uh, Christmas shopping. I don't know what you're doing, but if you have this podcast on, you know, we're glad that you're here. So we're going to jump right into things. This is the certified beer of the week segment. Um, this is a beer that we've had before. Uh, we, we recommend this. This is the, the verified beer of the week, the certified beer of the week. And this is something that we know is good. So I don't actually have it with me, but I'm suggesting because it's uh, it's ale week that we uh, we do the Kona Brewing Big Wave. Kyle, have you ever had this one? 
Uh, yeah, I have. It's been probably a few years, and uh, but you know, it's one of those. It's just like when you hear Kona, you think like Kona chicken at Rafferty's. Shout out <laughs> Rafferty's. <laughs> and uh, I think of the big wave out in uh, Hawaii and the Maui Invitationals this week too. So we can tie that into it. Yeah, for sure. I actually have been to Kona Brewing. But unfortunately, I was 17 at the time, so I didn't get to partake wow. in anything except for their pizza. But it was good pizza, so it was great. But um, I decided, you know, from that moment on, like when I turned 21 and I could buy my own beer, I'm getting a big wave. And it has disappointed me yet. So 21 IBU, 4.4% ABV. Um, I'd say it's it's pretty smooth. It's a really easy drinking beer. It's refreshing. I could you know drink like four or five and be fine. Um, just mm-hmm. like, you know, like you catch a slight little buzz, but it's just got great flavor and it doesn't make you like groggy, like, you know, beer normally will. Um, it's not a light beer. They do have a light version. Apparently I haven't tried it yet, but I want mm-hmm. to, um, but it's not a light beer, like a super light beer and it's not heavy either. Like I said, you could drink about four or five of them and you're not feeling this to the worst. So what would you describe it as Kyle? I don't know if you've ever had a, um, you ever had a land shark? Oh, I love the land shark. I mean, it's similar to that. You know, it feels like you're out, you're out West, you're, you know, you're seeing big waves, you're seeing some palm trees, you're all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, it just makes you feel good. Yeah. Those feel good beers. It's it's also a good beer for just like sipping by the pool. Um, I mean, you guys don't do that often in Kentucky, but down here in Florida, you know, sip, sip it by the pool, drinking on a boat, you know, it's great. So I enjoy, I enjoy big wave. Um, so check that out if you've never had it. I'm sure you have. If you're listening to this podcast, if you haven't, then you're listening to the wrong podcast. Or if you're just trying to learn about beer, you're you're at the right place. So we're going to move on to recruiting updates. So we have a couple of updates, none other than Reed Shepard. Where did he commit to on Saturday? Do we know? I didn't hear anything about it. Did you guys hear anything? Streets are saying Virginia. <laughs> Streets uh. of London are saying Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> No, obviously he committed to his dad's alma mater. He's a legacy recruit, and he decided to play for one of the greatest coaches in college basketball. And, uh, yeah, he, I mean, that's a great decision. What do you, Let's talk about it. How you guys were feeling about that commitment, I mean, leading up to it and everything? Go ahead, Brad. I mean, it would, especially now that we're in the NIL era, it would be probably the dumbest decision that he would ever make to go anywhere other than Kentucky. I mean, every single person is going to try to get an NIL deal. You know, it runs in the family or something like that with his dad and with his mom being Mm -hmm. a uh, women's basketball uh, player as well. So uh, especially in the NIL era, uh, great decision for him. Then as far as just player development, anywhere else that was on his list, you had Louisville, Indiana, Virginia. From a player development standpoint and getting guys to the NBA – None of them can touch Kentucky. So, I mean, it, yeah. it was just a really smart decision on his part, financially mm-hmm. as well as as a as a player. Yeah. Yeah, I like, you know, I was surprised really that Cal went ahead and pulled the trigger and was so aggressive in this recruitment. You know, he doesn't – I can't remember the last time he – you know, I know Sky Clark committed a little bit early, but um, there, there isn't – there aren't many times where a recruit – uh, you know, he's made the decision, pulled the trigger on a recruit this early um, in their career in high school. So I was a little bit surprised, but I think that was the right move. You know, I think Cal just wanted to squash it, you know, just didn't want to turn uh, Reed's 
junior year of high school into a complete, you know, stressful circus for him, you know, um, go ahead and give him that offer. Um, you know, once Cal was able to see him in person, he brought, I think, um, you know, all of his assistants with him to see him uh, in person and then extend that offer. And, um, you know, I think that was the right move for Cal just to kind of squash any other thoughts of there's any competition out there in Virginia and Iowa. You know, we're both pretty close, especially Virginia. Um, and like Brad said, I mean, once once INL was introduced to this recruitment, um, there's really no other choice for Reed. I mean, he is going to be an absolute – um, you know, gold mine. He's going to just create his own. He's going to have to have like a vault somewhere um, <laughs> to put all these contracts and deals and um, he'll, he'll just be swimming. And I mean, that's, it's amazing for him. And, and I'm an, I'm an older guy, as we all know on this podcast. So I remember Jeff Shepard's uh, career, you know, just like it happened yesterday. And he's very, very similar to his dad, as far as his, you know, shooting style, um, you know, just perfect, perfect form, high basketball IQ, um, can handle the ball, can pass the ball, can obviously shoot the ball. Um, probably a little bit better overall. I know his, his uh, mom, Stacy, was a was a very good passer and ball handler, but probably overall a little bit better in that area than than Jeff was. Um, Jeff Jeff's mo was coming off screens and curls. He had a tremendous vertical leap. I think it was like forty seven inch vertical. Um, I don't know if Reed's going to get to that level as far as the athleticism goes, but with the size, he's almost, he's almost there. He's got a good body for, for just going into, going into his junior year. So, I mean, he's the, he's the whole package and he's going to be, you know, one of the most beloved um, UK players to come around here in the next, in the last 20, 25 years, no doubt. Yeah. I think it's just fun that he's a legacy. Um, You don't see that too often. And when you do, it's like, you know, usually they can be a disappointment, but I don't think Reed will be a disappointment to Kentucky fans. As yeah. soon as I saw the video, the the read between the lines with White Greer Maggard, I think is oh, yeah. worth it on it. You know, like as soon as those dropped, like the he's a natural. Dropped, he's a natural. You can tell. Yeah, but as soon as they dropped, I just knew that he was going to Kentucky. I think it was all but you know just right. signed at that point. Right. Um, yeah. Because if he had done that and then gone to Virginia or something, that would have been stupid on his part, and yeah, you know, UK fans would have hated him. So. Um, I, I, I think there was, there was never really doubt. The only time I had like any hesitation about him coming to Kentucky was over the summer, um, when there was all the, you know, Cal, you know, doesn't want to recruit Kentucky kids, which is stupid. I didn't believe that, but yeah. it was the, uh, Rick Patino is going to get Reed Shepard to Iona. Yeah. And then he had all the, you know, obviously the, the big rumor and really, I mean, Jeff and Cal, you know, had to kind of have a understanding and, you know, and Cameron Mills got into that where he just kind of was like the middleman and, you know, just kind of put the message out there that, you know, no, Jeff isn't isn't a Cal hater. He does he just, you know, wants to be comfortable with what with what Reed decides to do if oh, yeah. he goes to UK and wants to be comfortable with Cal. And there may or may not have been a, a you know, a, a history there with Cal and Jeff, but whatever that history was, it was buried and put away and, and they all, everybody left it up to Reed to make his own decision. Which so is the right thing to do. You, you, you see right. that, you know, go the wrong way so many times with parents and I'm, I'm glad, you know, that they handled it that way. So I can only see one potential issue arising and I'm going to call it the Dante Allen effect because mm-hmm. you, you know, the second that there's a struggle, Oh, Cal's not playing Reed enough. Cal's not playing Reed enough. 
And yeah. that, that's the only potential drawback. And I mean, this is no disrespect to Dante Allen, but I think Reed Shepard is a better all around player than Dante Allen is. I don't mean yeah, that as any disrespect. There, no yeah. doubt. But. You're correct there, with the, especially with when you come when you talk about the ball handling and uh, passing ability and things like that. Defense. Um, and defense, yeah, he's 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 a solid defender for his size. Um, I mean, but if, he, if if Reed Shepard is going to have to battle for minutes against DJ Wagner, if you know, he yeah. potentially commits, yeah, you know, like where we, I mean, Kentucky fans here? also have to remember that Cal is. You know, Reed and and DJ Wagner aren't the only two guards he's going to bring in in that class. Exactly, he's going to have competition. Reed isn't going to; he's not going to have that. Obviously, he's not going to have that given to him. But mm. if even Kentucky fans sense any type of, you know, favoritism from Cal towards any other higher recruit, you know, competing with with Reed, obviously a lot of them are going to speak out on it. But it's just misplaced and short sighted. You yeah. know, so it's nothing to actually take stock into. So right. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, there was also then, another uh, news in this week for Kentucky basketball recruiting. What what else do we got? Yeah, so uh, Justin Edwards is a six seven uh, forward from Philly. Um, he's kind of drawn a lot of interest in the last few months from from uh, from UK. Cal visited him in on October fourth and then September thirteenth, and then he visited over the weekend and got an offer. Um, some of the competition with him is uh, UConn and uh, Penn State, but he's a very, very skilled, kind of like a Gilchrist type of small forward, you know, good size already, um, good strength, and kind of, you know, kind of uh, coming into his own as far as his physical ability goes, you know, just kind of, you know, getting stronger, um, developing his jump shot, you know, get developing range and things like that. But he got an offer, and he's going to be at the top of the list as far as um, – as far as that class goes. Um, so look out for him, definitely. And then also, um, there's been a lot of rumblings for the last two or three weeks that uh, Robert Dillingham is going to commit fairly soon to UK too. Yeah, so and he might reclassify, correct? Right. Uh, he may. Um, if, uh, you know, if, if something happens with, you know, and they lose all their guards this year, I mean, there's going to be a ton of guards, you know, kind of a big backlog there. If, mm-hmm. if like Wheeler were to stay or, you know, something like that were to happen, um, obviously you're going to have Frederick coming back no matter what. So there's going to be a, mm-hmm. a huge backlog of guards there. Maybe there's an, maybe there's an unforeseen transfer. You never know. So I think Dillingham is going to be a um, possibility, you know, up until the spring, just to see how the ro- roster shakes out for next year. But uh, he'll he'll no no doubt be in a commit for UK, um, and uh, we also had um, was it Stefan Castle committed yeah, to Stephon uh, Castle to to UConn to UConn yeah he's from Georgia uh, Covington Georgia, and uh, he's a you know a pretty skilled lar- um, good sized combo guard small forward. Yeah, he he looks pretty good. I think that's their yeah. first like big time recruit that they've had in a while. Um, he was, he was, he picked UConn over, was it Bama and Arkansas and who else? Uh, yeah, Georgia, Georgia Tech, like, you know, a lot of Georgia schools being from Covington's. Yeah. Uh, so, and, uh, so he's, um, a good solid, a high four star. Uh, I think he's ranked about, it's kind of all up and down. It's like he's in the thirties in one ranking and around the eighties in another ranking. So, you know, a top 50 or so, um, recruit for UConn. Yeah, he could definitely work his way up in that class too. Like, I'd be excited right. to see that how that goes for him. I just think right. it's cool. Um, it's cool that UConn's finally, you know, that could be the guy that brings him back into you know national prominence. Yeah, and UConn hasn't really, 
you know, they, they used to land these long um, athletic wings all the time, um, you know, going back mm-hmm. to when Calhoun was there early in his career, you know, um, you had Allen and then a lot of guys in the mid two thousands that were just long skilled uh, wings. So mm-hmm. he'll, he'll probably kind of follow in those guys' footsteps. I mean, yeah. James Booknight that they just put in the right. pros. Right. Yep. So, all right, we are going to move on to the full court press question. So I think this is the question for uh, midweek flight that everybody wants to know the answers to. And I mean, this is a huge question in college basketball. It's a huge question on this podcast is that what's your favorite Thanksgiving side? You know, what is the, what is the go-to the go? What is What is something that Thanksgiving that you're like, yes, this is what I've been waiting a year for. Well, this is kind of a hot take. Uh, well, hot take might not be the word for it, but <laughs> kind of an unusual one. One big thing in my family something that we all love and every Thanksgiving Christmas uh, we get a big pan of it is hash brown casserole. Mm-hmm. You get the hash brown casserole with the turkey and with the gravy and oh man, it's just so good. So when you talk about the hash brown casserole, you know, you've been to Cracker Barrel. I, assume, I right? have. And okay. it, it sucks compared to. Does it good blow that made. out of the water? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That sounds good, man. My yeah. stomach's rumbling already. I can't <laughs> wait. I'm counting down the days, man. I am freaking <laughs> counting down the days. Yeah. Um, you know, the thing is, is I've been, I've mentioned it a few times on Twitter, but I've been on a diet for a pretty strict diet for like six months or so, six, seven months. And I've lost 71 pounds um, in the last, uh, since May. So I'm kind of like uh, training on the, I'm on the treadmill overtime right now, getting ready for like the next five <laughs> weeks of my life. So uh, I'm going to try to keep it slim as slim as possible, you know, for the, for the, for the end of the year. But um, what I do is, you know, this is kind of like a sentimental thing, but my uh, grandma used to wear, used to uh, wear, <laughs> she did not wear this dish. Um <laughs> Getting so a she weird up in here. She made, yeah. <laughs> so uh, she uh, would always make a uh, corn pudding. I don't know if either of you guys have ever had a corn pudding before, but mm-hmm. it's kind of be- it's become more popular in the last like eight, ten years or so since we've gotten all these like fast casual barbecue joints, like mm-hmm. um, you know City Barbecue and uh, Mission Barbecue, and you know all these kind of fast casual barbecue joints. They all got they've all got corn pudding on their. Um, on their menus and it's usually a pretty sweet it's kind of like a moist uh cornbread with corn inside it mm-hmm. um but uh i mean it's just delicious man and my my grandma made it more of like a custardy um type of uh corn pudding um kind of like uh city barbecues is, is kind of more custardy there's not it's not as bready not as corn bready so yeah I love that, man. I mean, I can eat a whole dish of it, just like I'm sure Brad can eat a whole uh, 13 by nine pan of hash brown casserole. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it yeah. just hits the spot, man. I mean, Thanksgiving, yeah, you got the turkey. Maybe you got a ham. Maybe you got, uh, you know, even the fried turkeys are great, deep fried turkeys. But Thanksgiving is all about the sides and, oh, and, and really the, the desserts, you know. I mean, so that corn pudding is, is by far the thing that, you know, like Brad said, that our family, it has to be on the table Thanksgiving and Christmas, like without question. So, like, I agree with you 
sides definitely rule Thanksgiving. I mean, like when I, you know, when I fix my plate, I have like one or two pieces yeah. of turkey, and that's about it. The best part about just, Thanksgiving is you could just take yeah. a ladle of gravy and just yeah, over yeah, the right. whole plate, just, just gravy that the whole, bad boy. Yeah, I was on the I was on the treadmill today preparing myself for Thanksgiving, and I was watching um, the kitchen on Food Network and. Katie on there, she took the gravy. Like they had everything lined up on like a uh, on a long dish, like a you know, eighteen inch long dish. Like all everything, the sides, the turkey, even the pie and the cranberry sauce at the end lined up on the dish. She took a ladle of gravy and poured it on top of every single thing, <laughs> and then she took her fork and had like a little bit of everything on the fork and took a bite of it with the pumpkin pie That's with gravy, pecan pie or whatever with gravy on it, cranberry sauce with gravy on it. I mean, you know. Yeah. That's just what we do. Like, if you don't like your food to touch on Thanksgiving, you're in trouble because it's going to yeah. touch. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it all. There's one thing. My favorite side is something that my granny makes. Um, and she's, you know, from Kentucky, like r- mm-hmm. rural Kentucky, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, but she makes this. It's a pineapple casserole. And it's mm-hmm. so good. Like, it's really a dessert. It's so sweet and good. That's the only thing I don't put gravy on. And I keep it like it'll touch. And I don't care because I'm not like OCD right. about it but I definitely won't put gravy on it, but it'll touch the other food. But man, that thing is so good. And I only get it once a year and I, I eat way too much of it. Um, But stuffing is also very close second, just because the only time I make it is at Thanksgiving. Oh yeah. I love the stuffing. It only comes around once a year, but I love it every time I have it. I usually make it myself and um, I do a cornbread stuffing. I know a lot of people do like a, um, you know, you know, little cubes of bread and stuff like that, where it's like you have the, you can see all the cubes, but I like the cornbread where it's all just kind of one big, you know, conglomeration of everything in there where it's yeah. not, it doesn't fall apart when you're eating it. It's more of like a, you know, like a souffle type thing. But sure. um, the, um, so the thing with this, with this pineapple casserole thing, does it have like a crust or anything on it or yeah, what does it look like? Yeah. So it's, it's kind of like a cobbler. Top. Yeah. Like it's, been, a cobbler? it's pretty much a cobbler other than, okay. you know, it's not in a pie tin or whatever. It's, you know, right. in a, it's in a big dish. dish. It's in a casserole yeah. dish. Mm. And it's right. very like a, good. Like a dump cake? Kind of. I mean, like, I don't know exactly yeah. how she makes it. But it's I got like know. a crust and breading mm. and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Pineapple. It's delicious, man. Like it's an upside so down, uh, like a pineapple upside down cake. Basically. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, oh man, that's, it's so good. So mouth is watering. Yep. All right. So we, uh, we're actually going to talk about basketball in the full court press section. So don't think it's just all about Thanksgiving. We just wanted to throw that in there for fun. We have been, you know, we're in the thick of November, obviously, as you can see. And, uh, we just wanted to talk about, we, you know, there's some teams that take this approach and there's some that don't. I personally would like to see a lot of these bigger teams take the, Let's let's get some tournaments in Thanksgiving and see what these teams are about. I think you mm-hmm. can tell a lot about a team when it comes to tournament play. Um, like we saw today, this is Sunday, so we saw you know Purdue and Villanova play. Um, I don't know if I would have had that much faith in Purdue or Villanova, like either of them, if I hadn't seen them play this week. And they played some quality teams, and they looked like they were surefire top ten teams. What do you guys think about this? Like, should teams like all do tournaments in like this style uh, before conference play, or should they schedule these kind of buy games and these home games against a little bit, you know, lower mid-major teams? Uh, kind of where I stand on it is these tournaments, especially playing quality teams, is kind of a no-lose situation because you you get to play these teams. Like, let's just say it was uh, Kentucky, Duke. Kansas and UCLA. Let's just say those four were in a tournament all playing each other. 
who is going to get upset losing to any of those teams that are, you know, top 10 consistently good. Nobody's going to seriously be upset by that. So Mm -hmm. it's no lose in that situation. Then if you win, it's a great resume builder, Mm -hmm. but you also don't have the potential to come and and lose a game that you should be winning. You know, Mm -hmm. Louisville just lost to Furman. You know, if they had, if they had been playing, uh, I don't know, Gonzaga, let's just say that their fans would not have been upset as upset losing to Gonzaga and rightfully so as they would have been losing to Furman. Uh, so it really, it's kind of a nothing to lose situation if you're playing good teams, especially in a tournament format and gets you ready for March. If you got two big games in two or three days, help mm-hmm. get you ready for March. Yeah. I mean, there, it's definitely a great test. And, um, you know, I think the biggest, one of the biggest, uh, benefits to it is it's a great team building, um, kind yeah. of exercise when you go on the road, you're only with your boys, you know? There's very little uh, outside noise. You're usually going to have fun, too, because you're going to the Bahamas, you're going to Hawaii, you're going somewhere in Florida, you're going to Orlando, you're going to a nice destination for the most part um, in these tournaments. And if it's four teams or eight teams, um, you know, you're going to get – usually you're going to get um, – you're going you're gonna to be guaranteed three games if it's eight teams. And um, mm. so the only bad thing about it is obviously you're playing – back-to-back-to-back games and you can run into an injury some fatigue things like that some bad habits you know whatnot but I think the I think the benefits outweigh the risk for the most part um and you're usually going to get like if you play three games you're in 18 tournament you play three games you're going to get like a team you're pretty well matched up with you're probably going to get a team you're better than and you're probably going to get a team that you're you, you may be not as as good as so you're gonna kind of you're gonna kind of knock out like all three you know types of games and comparisons to for yourselves right there during the weekend you know um so it's it's really helpful like like you were saying connor from a fan standpoint to to see you know what each team has going for it um early on and um you know i i just think i I know cal calipari at uk and some other guys have expressed concern about playing three games in three days, and that's why he doesn't does it, he doesn't do it, for example. And that's understandable, you know, especially when you know somebody like him or somebody like um, Shevsky at Duke. You have a, extremely young teams, and if you take three losses, if you were to lose all three of those games, um, that can be a big deflating event for your team and something you may not recover from until you get to like conference play, like. For example, when you look at Kentucky, they they lost what six games in a row last year, and that just I mean the season's over at that point. So if you if you if you lose all three games out in Hawaii, then what have you gained from that? You know, so there's a couple you know maybe some risk in in it, but I think overall holiday tournaments are are a pretty fun thing for everybody involved. I think I think there should be a mixture of both. To be honest with you, I think. You know, you can't just go out and schedule all these, you know, powerhouse teams. And then now you, and then you enter conference play, which is the best conference in college basketball at this point for, let's say Kentucky, you know, an SEC Um, Mm -hmm. that you just don't want to do that to your guys. You need, you need the games like Ty Ty had um, against Ohio. You know, you need uh, the Damian Collins against uh, Mount St. Mary's or Robert Morris. I mean, um, you know, so you need those kind of games for those, these younger guys. Um, especially if they're the type of recruits that, you know, like we've been getting lately for Kentucky. But, you know, like moving forward, I think there needs to be a mixture of both. I think 
the three games in three days, I think that's fine. And you look at you, these tournament losses, like Villanova took a loss today. They were technically upset, but I think that Purdue was better than they were actually you know, ranked personally. Like I've had Purdue higher than that anyways. Um, yeah. So like no one view, no one views Villanova as a disappointment for taking an L today. No right. one does, you know what right. I mean? And they, they're, they've only lost two on the season to UCLA and, uh, and, you know, and, at, at this point Purdue. So, um, when you yeah. look at it from a fan's perspective too, I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome for us as fans to sit down and watch our favorite team play on like Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of Thanksgiving week. I mean, exactly. it's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. So, and the same thing during Christmas, there's so many, you know, pre-Christmas uh, tournaments and, you know, second and third week of Christmas tournaments or of December tournaments. So, it's just awesome for the fans to sit down and be able to know that they're going to watch their team play three, three days in a row. So, and like, I'm not saying that they have to take, you know, they have to do like three tournaments a year. Like they don't need to do that. Mm. Just enter one, you know, like if they wanted to, they can make the champions classic a tournament, like a blue bug tournament would be ridiculous for numbers for Mm. them. You know what I mean? I mean, you almost had that. The cheese, the cheese, it thing is as ridiculous as it sounded. It was almost like that with Purdue and Tennessee and North Carolina. So, yeah. And uh, um, and Villanova as well. Villanova, yeah. Just real quick, what you said about the destinations, you know, going to the Bahamas and Hawaii and stuff like that. I felt so bad for the guys last year, COVID season. I can't remember whether it was uh, Battle for Atlantis or Maui Invitational. They ended up playing in like North Dakota. I felt bad. He was like battle for Atlantis from Fargo, North Dakota. Right, right. That, that yeah, they just had to find a random. Them. Yeah, they just yeah. had to find a state and a random gym somewhere yeah. that would allow them to, uh, you know, get those teams together. You know, yeah. so nothing like traveling to Fargo. To it was a it was a around. terrible terrible year all the way around. <laughs> yeah, just kind you just got to scrap it and throw it out. So, um, so yeah, I think I think all in all, it's. It's you don't have a you don't have a wrong decision when approaching your schedules like this because you know like Kentucky mm. and even though we schedule we have Ohio State on the schedule and they're definitely not going to be ranked by the time we play them you know that was a bigger game that was on our list you know so there's a couple of these games like we're supposed to play Michigan this year that you know but yeah. because of the all the COVID and everything you know that got that got moved um, so all in all I think it's a uh, you know like there's no there's no wrong decision to make here it's just how do you want to prepare your team for March? And I think these tournaments are fun. Um, they make a lot of money. You got to know they make a lot of money just in advertising alone and stuff. So um, that that has to be fun for the teams. Uh, but also, like, you don't want to get rid of all the the buy games either because then you won't have like, you know, these lower level teams that you know get an entire new film room for one game in Rupp Arena. You know, so mm-hmm. um, so there's there's benefits to both sides. But I think that all in all, it's a it's you know you can't do any wrong here so do you have any closing thoughts on this question oh no i i just told i totally agree with what y'all were saying you know something like making the champions classic or the cbs sports classic into a tournament that'd be something that could be a lot of fun and like you said you wouldn't just want to do tournament after tournament after tournament i think it it could definitely be a good mix of you know one maybe two tournaments and have some of your um you know, I, I don't want to say easy games because I, I know no game is technically easy, uh, but you can have your tournament and then throw in uh, a Mount St. Mary's or what have you. But you're mm-hmm. absolutely right that uh, there's no just one set way to do it. Each team uh, likes to set up their schedule different. Like we said, Calipari doesn't really like the uh, non-conference 
uh, preseason. I know t- not technically preseason uh, tournaments, uh, but some coaches love them. Uh, so yeah, it really just depends on what each coach likes and uh, what, what they feel is going to be the best resume builder for their team. All right. So we're going to move on to our last segment of the night. Um, we're going to talk about the uniform watch. Uh, this is a new segment. This is just like, I'm ta- I promise you it's only going to be like a minute. Did you guys see Oklahoma State's uniform they debuted? I think it was Wednesday night. I did not. Dude, they were fire. They were so sweet. They were awesome. Let me look I mean, those up real quick. Yeah, I don't they were, a quick Google. Either. They, were, they were sweet. They have – all right, so it's hard to describe. This makes for great podcasting, but they <laughs> – these, these were throwbacks, Connor? They were – yeah, they were like a throwback. They had like a script font. Um, they, okay. they almost remind me of like Georgia's uniforms. Georgia has some pretty underrated uniforms in general. But they had the black with the white trim and then a red, uh, the orange stripe, the burnt orange stripe that they use um, in the middle on the trim. And it was just awesome. Um, it was for Memorial of a player, but I don't remember like seeing what player it was. Oh, it's, yeah. Like, those were cool. four. Yeah, they were sweet. Um, those were awesome. I loved Villanova's uniforms today. They had like the dark blue with the, the lighter blue font. A little hard to read the font. Um, I'm a big uni head. So like, I really love a good uniform. Um, so being a Kentucky fan, it just pains me that we've had to see the same uniform for six yes. years. But, mm-hmm. you know, neither here nor there, I guess. The uh, the funny thing is just, like, Nike schools are taking a huge L, especially the Blue Blood schools. Like, when's the last time Duke updated their uniform? They did, like, that, like, throwback, like, gray with the gold trim, the, like, a couple weeks ago. But, like, I'm not counting, like, just – alternate uniforms i'm saying like when's the last time they changed their straight up home regular uniform you know duke kansas kentucky none of those nike schools have i mean like adidas is like adidas but they they do a good job about giving teams other uniforms yeah so i'm trying to get the uh background on this who was number four that was i think it's for the women's basketball i could be wrong Mm -hmm. though i don't remember okay yeah it is yes okay all right, so that was the end of midweek flight. We talked a little bit about Thanksgiving. We we did our certified beer of the week. Go check out the Kona Brewing Big Wave. We talked a little bit of recruiting, and uh, we talked really what's most important about it is college basketball and uh, how teams prepped for March um, and how they get to April, really, ultimately. So um, so thank you guys for listening. I guess, like always, we're joined by Kyle, UK fan Kyle on Twitter, and we got Bradley Smith. Bradley, go ahead, give a shout out to your podcast and your Twitter for me. All right. My uh, my Twitter is at 270BradleySmith. I grew up in Western Kentucky, so I got to get that little 270 shout out uh, there. But 270BradleySmith on Twitter. Then my podcast is Bradley's Basketball Banner. I'm on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, that's where I'm at right now. Awesome. Well, thank you again for joining us uh, last minute. And so we appreciate that. For sure. Thank you for having me.